Um, tonight, I'd like to talk about uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, as part of the honoring of his uh, life. And the, tomorrow is a holiday, meaning which holiday means holy day, which is about really acknowledging the goodness and the blessing and the gift that he gave to all of us. And if you don't know who he is, I think most people do, but I'll say a few words about who he was. Right, He was a Baptist minister and an activist and a humanitarian and a leader in the in the um, African-American civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s. And he was actually in a lineage of people who were active around civil rights, which because his father foreshadowed him as a civil rights leader in the South. And he had was very a very beautiful man. He really used his beliefs, his spirituality, his Christianity as a basis for his work and for the nonviolent civil disobedience that he introduced really en masse to the country. And he um, he's well known for many, many things, many, many of the ways that he helped uh, desegregate America and help take America out of the ignorance of the, you know, hundreds of years of slavery and racism and bigotry. And he, uh, he, uh, there were so many different things he did, including the Montgomery bus boycott, which helped, uh, which went to the Supreme Court finally, and it was the Supreme Court who said you can't discriminate in public transportation because of a, a long, a long practice that he helped lead uh, in Montgomery. And um, um, he he gave a very famous speech in the March on Washington, and I wasn't at the march on Washington, but I was old enough to be aware of the March on Washington and seeing it on TV when I was a boy and the power of it and the power of him and his speech and his presence and his love, which was really clear. And I'll say more about that as I go through this talk, but he really took the movement of that he was doing and he kept expanding it. He kept deepening in his insight and understanding and his commitment to freedom, which included in terms of you know, racism, bigotry, and, and the genocide of native peoples and the, and the enslavement of African-American people. And, and it, he kept expanding his understanding, his yeah, his understanding, his seeing and understanding of where freedom was uh, needed because he kept expanding to include poverty and uh, and all kinds of economic bias and also against the Vietnam War, which was a big deal in the 60s, which I remember and I remember well, and it was a big deal when he came out against the Vietnam War because a lot of African-American, a lot of black men were fighting in the, Af in the Vietnam War. And, um, and then he was assassinated. He was 39 when he died, which to me is just stunning of how much, what a big impact he had in, in a young life. 
because it wasn't that long that he lived 39 to me at my age is that you know that's a that's that's first phase of life at 39 and then you get another phase like 40 to 60 and then you get another phase from 60 to 80 and then another phase i'm not at the 80 yet but i'm close enough and um, and i see it's just uh, you know 39 i was still a boy almost really in terms of intelligence and the kind of uh, maturity that Dr. King displayed in all of his work. And so I'm happy to be here with all of us, in some sense, celebrating him, celebrating his life, and also so acknowledging his gifts to us as a, as a nation, as a society, and as human beings. Because I, I see his life as having lived a bodhisattva life. A bodhisattva lives a life that's dedicated to ending the suffering of everybody. And he and that, that clearly was part of who and what he was and what he did. And he gave us a lot of gifts to help understand our own possibility for awakening beyond the ignorance and the racism and the and the bias that America had grown up with for hundreds of years, right, since the 1600s. And, and he gave us a new understanding of how to respond to ignorance and how to respond to the, to the dukkha of America. And if you're new here and you don't know the word dukkha, it's the Buddhist word that means suffering or dis-ease or stress or... Or, but it, but it's very broad, and it includes the, you know, hundreds of years of racism. It's all dukkha, big time dukkha, serious dukkha, and um, and he he really and and all of that dukkha of racism, of enslavement, of the genocide of native peoples was all based on. Uh, the other way dukkha is understood, the way dukkha is understood, not just as suffering or dip, it's understood as the attachment to greed, hatred, and ignorance. And it's really the, the inability to free the mind and heart from the causes and conditions that produce us thinking we have to keep everything or get rid of something or be ignorant about the truth of what's here. And his gift was somewhat his intelligence, his maturity, his integrity, his vigor, his, his kindness, and his love. And that's all woven into his teachings. If you, if you at all um, want to learn more about Martin Luther King, just go you know, do a Google search and listen to some of his talks. And, and you just hear the kindness and goodness and, and clarity and fierceness of it uh, about caring about the truth and freeing people from suffering. And he had this great Dharma intelligence of seeing the whole picture and seeing what was skillful and what wasn't skillful and, and continually opting for skillfulness. Because again, I was... Had, I grew up in the 60s and I was involved, especially in the later 60s with uh, a more radical political movement. And I was a very much uh, 
I thought Malcolm X was great and, uh, and people like that who were very fierce about their anger, about their racism. And he was very interesting because he respected them totally, but he understood something bigger about love that it took a lot of a lot of us a long time to learn that it's not about hating the other. It's about getting that they're unconscious, that they're ignorant, that they're deluded, and that we have to free them also, not actively, they need to free themselves, but we need to free them, not add our hatred onto them. Use our hatred and anger to help free ourselves and free the causes and conditions that produce the kind of ignorance that bias and racism comes out of. And so he was grounded in the church and his ministry and what we would now call, and I was thinking, oh yeah, he's grounded in spirituality. And what, and I was looking it up a little bit about Christianity as something called progressive Christianity, which what we would call in the Buddhist tradition, engaged Buddhism. But it, it's all based on Jesus's love for all people and, and Jesus's action of deconstructing hierarchy so that all people could, could know the love of God. And in, in, the, in my dharmic understanding, Martin Luther King had a tremendous intelligence of the heart. And of course, the Buddhist way of talking about that is he knew about love, he knew about compassion, he knew about joy, he knew about equanimity, which are the four divine abodes, right? of, of uh, loving kindness and compassion and joy and equanimity, of uh, metta and karuna and mudita and upekka in the Pali language. And it's really the seal of the heart, the goodness of the heart, the wholesomeness of the heart when it's aligned with the truth is very powerful. And he knew about that power, the power of being real, the power of being aligned with his heart and really letting his heart direct his, his potency. And the word in, in Pali, and that's used in the meditative tradition that I love is samvega. And samvega points to a kind of urgency or, or fierceness uh, in terms of our, the actions to be taken, to be free, to awaken both in the meditation practice and in our lives. And he knew about that kind of fierceness and the, the uh, power and the dynamism and the energy of being dedicated and committed to being free. And he gave himself to it. He gave his life for it. Right, And he gave himself to what he was called to do. And of course, the teaching then for us is see, what are we called to do? How can we help? In what way can we help? Because as we know in Buddhism, it's an ongoing awakening for all of us. It's not a one-time deal. You get awake and you're done. Um, and he kept waking up as a as a as a, a minister, as a visionary, as a politician, and as a, a teacher, that as someone who changed the world. 
and gave his life for what he loved and cared about, which was freedom, justice, intelligence, and this spiritual love. And I'll read a few quotes of his as I go on. And one of them says, power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. Power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice. And justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands in the way of love. I mean, that, that is so Buddhist on some level to me. It's like so clear and direct about power and love and goodness right there. And you hear the sila in his values and his integrity and his uh, conscience with consciousness. My friend Sharon Salzberg said it this way, that she wrote a, quite a well-known book about loving kindness called Metta. And she said, loving kindness and compassion are the basis for wise, powerful, sometimes gentle, and sometimes fierce actions that can really make a difference in our own lives and in the, and in the lives of others. And that's a beautiful understanding of what Dr. Martin Luther King was able to embody and live and do was he had this great, wise, powerful, sometimes gentle and sometimes fierce capacity to make a difference. Mm. And his work kept deepening as he went on. He didn't, he wasn't stopping. He kept going both, as I said before, with racism and then economics and poverty, and then about the misuse of power and then about war. And it was a big deal when he, he came out against the Vietnam War. He said it this way. He said, there is an element of urgency in our redirecting of American power. There's an element of urgency of, in the redirecting of American power. We still have a choice, nonviolent coexistence or violent co annihilation. And really, he was talking during the, the, the nuclear race, you know, between what was then Russia and the United States, it was the USSR then, right? And he said, we have a choice a nonviolent coexistence, really with all people, or violent co annihilation. Along the way of life, someone Someone must have sense enough and morality enough to cut off the chain of hate. This can only be done by projecting the ethic of love into the center of our lives. And it's beautiful understanding of the Sure Hearts release, what's called the Sure Hearts release in Buddhism, which is about the goodness of the human heart when it's free and projecting that ethic of love into the center of our lives. And of course, he, he, I don't know if he knew this, but if he, he echoes the Buddha, he said, he said, uh, darkness cannot be driven out by darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that, right? Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. 
Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And the Buddha had said earlier, in this world, hate never yields to hate. Only love dispels hate. This is the law, ancient and inexhaustible, sometimes translated as ancient and eternal, right? In this world, the Buddha said, hatred never yet drives out hate. Only love dispels hate. This is the law, ancient and eternal. And this, really, the appreciation of love and goodness and heartfulness and wholeheartedness is so woven into everything he did and how he spoke about it. When he gave his acceptance speech for the Nobel Peace Prize in 19. Uh, 64, he was the youngest person ever to receive the Nobel Peace Prize. And he said, I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word in reality. This is why it is, this is why right, temporarily defeated, is stronger than evil, triumphant. And he's really talking about how to stick with it, even when it's difficult, even when it's not going the way we want, because there's something deeper that we're embodying when we fight for truth, for freedom, with the equality of all of us. And, it, and he pointed, part of his wisdom was understanding what we call in Buddhism interconnectedness the interconnectedness of all things, that we're all, can, even though we're all separate, like you're all in your little boxes here on the screen, but really there's just one thing, there's just consciousness, and it's, it's in all of us, and it's part of all of us, is one way to think about it. And that there's a shared humanity, no matter what the particulars may be, whether we're, you know, white or black or gay or straight or, you know, transgendered or whatever the differences may be, whether we're rich or poor or educated or uneducated, there's still what in Buddhism is called the precious human birth, the precious human heart. And, and it's, it's, it's part of something we all share. It's the goodness that we all are part of. And he said it this way. He said, we are all caught. We're all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality. We're all caught in an inescapable network of mutuality tied together into a single garment of destiny. It's such beautiful dharma to me of what he's saying, because it's all right here. It's this moment. We're woven together in this moment, no matter what. And it's, and it's totally, um, it, it's, it's, it's magical, but it's right here. We're all right here. A life is right here in this moment. And whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly, he went on to say, right? And we're tied together in this single garment of destiny. And whatever affects one directs, uh, directly affects all indirectly. We are all made to live together because of the interrelated structure of reality. 
And it's, it's as deep a dharma as I know, is what he's saying, right? Because of this interrelated structure of reality, we're all one on one level, and we're all impacted by one another at the same time. Pema Children said that compassion becomes real when we recognize our shared humanity. And it's what Martin Luther King understood and what he knew and what he manifested was that kind of compassion of, the, of our shared humanity. The wonderful teacher Bhikkhu Bodhi, who was teacher of some of my teachers, he said it slightly differently. He said, the entire cosmos is a cooperative. The entire cosmos is a cooperative. The sun, the moon, and stars live together as a cooperative. The same is true for humans and animals and trees and the earth. When we realize that the world is a mutual, interdependent, cooperative enterprise, then we can build a noble environment. If our lives are not based on this truth, that the that that uh the world is a mutual interdependent cooperative enterprise that if our lives are not based on this truth, then we will all perish. Hmm. Couple last pieces about Dr. Martin Luther King. This is from, he talked about when there were a number of young children murdered in 1963. And he said the most interesting thing in response to it, he said, we must be concerned not merely about who murdered them. We must be concerned not merely about who murdered them, but about the system, the way of life, the philosophy which produced the murderers. And you hear, I hope you hear, he's pointing at the causes and conditions, which Buddhism is always wanting to see. What's the cause and conditions of this moment, of this action, of our, of our wisdom or our ignorance? So the more we can understand that, the more we can start to free ourselves and others. And it's what he pointed at in his eulogy for these killed, four killed children. And uh, Clarence B. Jones, who's a diversity professor at USF and a scholar writer at the MLK Junior Institute at Stanford, who was a former personal advisor, lawyer, and draft speech writer to Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, he said this, he said, Dr. King would still carry within him the resonating voice of Rabbi uh, Yakim Prinz at the 1963 March on Washington. So this is a rabbi speaking at the March on Washington. And the rabbi had survived the Holocaust in Europe. And he said, when I was a rabbi of the Jewish community in Berlin under the Hitler regime, I learned many things. I learned many things. The most important thing that I learned under those tragic circumstances was that bigotry and hatred are not the most urgent problem. 
the most urgent, the most urgent, the most disgraceful, the most shameful, the most tragic problem is silence. A great people, he's talking about the German people, a great people which had created a great civilization had become a nation of silent onlookers. They remained silent in the face of hate, in the face of brutality, and in the face of mass murder. America must not become a nation of silent onlookers. America must not remain silent. Then the last piece I'll say about Reverend King was is about his dana, about his generosity, because he really gave himself to things that I believe we all love, freedom, happiness, harmony, intelligence, ethics, integrity, and the hope that we could live together in an intelligent and awakened way. And he really gave his life for all of that. And he was inspired to give this, given his calling. And that's something for us to all reflect on day by day is how can we give to the world? How can we give to ourselves? How can we give to the world? And it doesn't mean we're all not, I'm not gonna become Dr. Martin Luther King. You know, uh, it, we're called in different ways. And he had his calling. And even the small callings we have to help a neighbor or a friend or a stranger in whatever way we can, those are important callings to give to our world, to our society. And he was inspired by different people who gave. And I was noting this as I was reflecting about him and reading about him. And one of the people who really inspired him was Rosa Parks who was a woman who started the whole, uh, uh, um, changing the whole system of transportation because she rejected what a bus driver told her to do, ordered her to relinquish her seat in the quote, colored section, because that's what people called it, the colored section of the bus to a white passenger after the white only section was filled. And she refused to do it. And she went to jail for that. And, and she inspired Martin Luther King by her boldness and her courage and her birthright as a human being to be free and to be respected. And he was also deeply, deeply inspired by Mahatma Gandhi. And Mahatma Gandhi was a, a lawyer who was who gave up his life really to free India from British rule. And he was the father of Satyagraha, which was nonviolent resistance, which, which uh, Dr. King in, inherited from him. And he really, he really loved Gandhi and what Gandhi taught. And Gandhi said this, he said, consciously or unconsciously, every one of us does render some service or another. This is another way to think about dana. Consciously or unconsciously, every one of us does render some service or another. 
if we cultivate the habit of doing this service deliberately, our desire for service will steadily grow stronger and it will make not only for our own happiness, but for the happiness of the world at large. That was from Mahatma Gandhi. And then the last thing I'll say is really from Coretta Scott King, who was Dr. King's wife. And she said, when Martin talked about the end of his mortal life in one of his last sermons, even then he lifted up the value of service as a hallmark of a full life. He said, I'd like somebody to mention on the day Martin Luther King died that he tried to give his life serving others. He said, I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to love and serve humanity. So those are a few thoughts on this, on the eve of this holiday honoring Dr. King. And I'd love to hear your thoughts, questions, comments, reactions. Anything you would like to say? Some of you also were alive when Dr. King was alive. Please raise your hand. My screen has a raised hand button. Sometimes there's a reactions and there's a raised hand or you can just raise your hand and wave it really a lot and somebody will see it. Amy, are you waving your hand, Natalie? Are you <laughs> waving your hand? Wait. Oh, can I unmute or no? We're just saying thank you and bye. Uh, okay, thank you. Bye, Natalie. And, and and, and Levi. <laughs> okay, sorry, Amy. Um, I just wanted to say um, that there's an amazing resource. I went to a, a, a retreat yesterday uh, led by Kazu Haga, who's uh -huh. in Oakland, who's an expert on, um, on Martin Luther King. Um, and uh, he wrote a book called Healing Resistance. And I just really appreciate appreciative of the fact that you brought up fierceness and 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 how silence can also be violence. And um, like when I think about being of service or having a love for humanity, it's really important for me. Like when I think of Martin Luther King, to continue to disturb the peace mm -hmm. and disturb complacency, complacency, and. Um, Yesterday, Kazu talked about the fact that Martin Luther King wrote a sermon called When Peace Becomes Obnoxious. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think it's really important, you know, like, for example, when you gave the Thanksgiving talk and I, and I said that I appreciate that you brought up day of mourning, you mm -hmm. know, sometimes it seems like, oh, you know, like, why is somebody bringing that up or, you know, making that comment or, you know, you know, just I'm saying it in general in life, not just in Sangha, where it's like, you know, you don't want to be, um, you know, you don't want to, you, you don't want to cause, cause waves, you know, but the, but the thing is, is that um, just because, just because water doesn't have waves doesn't mean that it's, it's peaceful. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? I mean, sure. it's peaceful when you go deep. That's where the yeah. peace is. 
Right. So that's that, where that, the peace is. Right? Yeah, but let's not be confused. Still water yeah. is not necessarily water that's at peace. It just means nobody's causing waves. Right. But, that, but that's, that's not real peace. Well, part of the way I'm hearing what you're saying is that there's a, a way that we can um, avoid being real and 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 it's also very skillful to see when's the right time moment place to be real where it's skillful and because i mean some of us could yell all the time and there'd be good reason to yell all the time but it's not so helpful to yell all the time it's much more effective to yell at the right time at the right place with the right people so they wake up a little bit but if you're yelling at them all the time they don't wake up but if you if you what what i see that dr king did he consistently did things in a way that uh didn't bring too much reaction meaning didn't get him killed earlier mm-hmm. or didn't get him jailed too much but could allow him to continue to lead the movement that he was part of. And that's that takes a certain kind of beautiful intelligence that's part of practice. Yeah, I, I think I think skillful communication is really important, which I I, I the first time I heard about um Kazuhaga is because I was looking into nonviolent communication. Mm-hmm. And so he you know, teaches that as well. So I think, yeah, being being skillful about how you do it is important for sure. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, keep being skillful because you are. <laughs> Who else? Oh, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Of course, at my age, all of this is part of who I am, how I have lived. And uh, I was in, <clears throat> I went to Antioch College where mm-hmm. Coretta Scott was also a, a mm-hmm. classmate. Mm-hmm. And uh, living in Cleveland at the time, I remember taking, you know, buses to, to Washington, D.C. to be part of the march. And I just, I think, um, as part, of, of, you know, we all have certain influences, certain people in our lives that have shaped who us, who mm-hmm. we are. Mm-hmm. And I feel very much, uh, um, let's see, I'm happy to be here, to be listening to, to this, because I think um, the, the, the reasons that he had the dream, the, 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 what he has brought forth, to the community, the world at large, is still with us. Mm-hmm. Those, those, those causes, those injustices, and it's. Uh, I, I'm constantly being reminded that although we live in a very special time now, it is not as though what we're doing today is new. The things that we are talking about today have been with in our society for a very long time. And the longer I live, the more I, the more evidence there is that there are people who are fierce, 
who are taking action. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's even though I'm not, you know, I can barely walk these days, but it's, I, I just value those people. No, no, beautiful what you're saying, because we, our actions are different at different times in our life when it's appropriate, which is what a little bit what Amy and I were talking about, about right action in terms of responding, because it's true. I'm not out in the streets like I used to be as a kid, and I was, and I was involved in, in supporting all kinds of radical movements that were against the war and against racism and against uh, injustice and against economic um, 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 power, you know, of the rich over the poor and things like that. And I'm I'm not in the streets, you know, and and I will go out every once in a while when there's something happening, but it's not like that's what I'm doing every day. But it's important to appreciate and send our our love and our care and our support in the direction we wanted to go in whatever way we can, which includes sometimes maybe financially or maybe with with sending a note saying how good what somebody's doing is, even though we can't be there and things like that. And yeah, yeah, great, thank you. And just so people know, how old are you, Sarah? No, you're, you're muted. You're muted again. I'm 94, actually, and a half. Yeah, great. 94. <laughs> I come to the time of life where saying I am a I take advantage of my age at certain times, I admit. <laughs> you you get you're getting a lot of heart from Michelle. I see it in her, her box. No, because it's no, it's important to say a thank you because it's so um you've you've lived more than a life right and so you've been around and you've seen it all and then and you're still here and you're right here supporting this and because it's a collective effort that we're making we're all still learning we're all still growing like dr martin luther king jr did he kept growing and that's i love that about him and his he he's inspiring in that way he didn't stop and you're not stopping you, yeah, you got to unmute. Every time you speak, you have to unmute. You didn't unmute. Go ahead, unmute and say whatever you just said. I said, it's, um, uh, I keep learning. There's more. There's of course. always more. There's always more. That's beautiful. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, okay. Do any of you young ones want to say something? Any of you people who aren't 94? Come on, speak up, even if you feel a little shy. Eugene, yeah. Uh, did you invite me to unmute? No, I didn't, but it's okay. You did. <laughs> oh, I did. I did anyway. Ter- Terrence, hold on. Let yes, me this is Terrence. Speaker. Yeah. 
It'd be um, great if we could get a little more light on you, Terrence. I know. I just, uh, I'm in a <laughs> low rent hotel in Costa Rica. Oh. I don't have good light. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll take it. But I feel a great turning of the wheel, so to say, here that needs to be spoken to because as a, as a high schooler in Mississippi, mm. Dr. King walked right down the highway in front of our house, mm. leading a march, I think it was in 1966, from Memphis mm. to Jackson, Mississippi in support of well, civil rights. And, and I was out there on the highway with my motorcycle buddies from Mississippi, mm -hmm. giving them racial epitaphs and mm -hmm. telling them to, you right. know. And then later in Memphis, I saw army tanks on the streets in Memphis after he was assassinated there. Mm -hmm. So my life feels like it's somehow really bracketed by this turning that you've spoken to and the, and the way the Dharma after almost 40 years now has enlightened and opened my heart. Mm -hmm. I mean, it did that before I was, I was raised in a very racist and sheltered environment you know, in Mississippi. That's where that's I went to good. high school. Good. Yeah. Good. You're saying that. So people hear the causes and conditions that produce right. racism. It's historical for this country. And it keeps and it keeps going, and you're talking yes. about it not keeping going when you're talking about the turning. Yes, and I have taken my my story to high schoolers um, and told them to watch out what's going on around you, mm -hmm. that it's likely to come back and bite you mm -hmm. in ways that you cannot see. Mm. So yeah, well, great. Thanks for sharing with us, because I I've never been to the South actually, because I was told to not go to the South because I was Jewish. I was told, wow. you know, really, that's when I grew up. It I was it said, oh yeah, if you're black or Jewish, don't go to the South. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's good advice, probably at the time. At the time, yeah, when I was young. Well, it's good to see your face. Now you're in the light. I'm glad you've turned more. Thank you, Eugene. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Thanks for speaking up. Okay. Clint. Um, Hi, Clint. First of all, I'm speaking like this because I had an operation on my throat. On my throat. It's not permanent. Okay. But um, he also... Martin Luther King also had um, a very important right-hand man, Bayer Rustin, mm -hmm. who was who was gay. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's bad enough nowadays. Think what it was like back then. Mm -hmm. And sure, there was and, and man was was brilliant at what he did, but there was all this pressure because they thought it was going to discredit the movement having mm -hmm. a man right next to. Martin Luther King, mm -hmm. but, but King supported him. Mm -hmm. he, he didn't kick him off. He valued yeah. him as a person. And right. that takes guts nowadays. It took a hell of a lot 
more guts back then. Wait, yes. No, beautiful. Thank you for bringing that in, Clint. That's really important. I didn't know that. And I remember him, uh, Mr. Rustin, but I don't, I didn't know he was gay, right? And so. Yeah, uh, I wrote a biography about him. And, yeah. Uh -huh. And it was a very painful life for him, but he was still able to do much good. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Thank you. Very important to really get how broad and full Martin Luther King's understanding was and his good heartedness. It went in every direction. Okay. Miru. How are you doing? Hi, everyone. Hi, Miru. Hi. Um, as I was listening to you, um, and I've been, as I, as I recollect also being in the presence of you, your Dharma talk, two words always come up. Um, either you pick it, you mention it or it just, you just remind us that the practice is about being real and being free. Mm -hmm. And, and so I was, I was talking about this uh, um, with my partner uh, the other day that it sounds like the, it feels like the human history is a long process of trying to be free. And, and as we, yeah, and as we become, try to be free from, you know, a certain like oppression or suppression or our own ideas or stories that we lock ourselves in. Um, but then it just, uh, as I listened to you today, I, it just, uh, I just was reminded again that um, as, we, as we work on freeing ourselves, also we get to really care about how to free others who are under suppression that we are not part of. Mm -hmm. um, and the world is crazy now and, it's, <laughs> and probably all the humanities in the human history have thought that the world was crazy at each point of the life, each point of history. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's also that's the part that I feel hopeful uh, that makes me stay hopeful too that it is crazy and there are so many problems and suffering but um, even that we are here now and then we are probably freer than before mm -hmm. uh, for all the suppression so I yeah I just got reminded that we, we could stay hopeful um, through mm -hmm. your talk about Martin Luther King Jr. so I wanted to thank you and also Thanks for always like imprinting, being real and being free. Right, sure, thank you. But it, it's important what you're saying. Um, excuse me, as one of my teachers says, he said, oh, human evolution is really slow. It's step by step, more, you know, and slow, but it definitely has gotten better that what you're saying, I believe is true. There's still more freedom in the world than ever before. And there's, still, you know, in my language, a shitload of oppression and horrible things happening. And yet there's still, even the fact we can be here doing this and doing this around the country and around the world and, and people know that it's happening, it's never been like that before. I mean, it's so much more uh, uh, pan-global the understanding that there is more we can awaken to. And I don't care what country you're in, or even if you don't have much internet, you know, or even if the internet is more controlled, like in China, it's still, it's still seeping into reality. 
everywhere. And it'll still be slow. I'm not expecting everybody to be free tomorrow, but but it's good what's happening. So I'm, I'm happy you're bringing that in the room at the same time. Thank you. Amy. Hi. Um, Hi, Amy. I just wanted to, I guess I'm reflecting on Dr. King's, um, his friendship and his work with Thich Nhat Hanh and how mm -hmm. beautiful it is that these two bodhisattvas from different religious backgrounds and faith traditions were able to work together. Mm -hmm. I'm just feeling really inspired by that and thinking about how lucky we are to have these examples, especially in a world that is like so heartbreaking sometimes. Um, yes. Like I'm in LA and we've had some recent police killings that are just so tragic. Um, and so it feels like these, these problems just aren't going away and they're so enormous and it's easy to kind of fall into despair. But then I see these examples of these these great bodhisattvas and realize that there is a way to practice and and to try to be like them as much as possible. That's that's great what you're saying because yeah. the thing uh, the the horror and the tragedy of of the way the world is and I don't even mm -hmm. know what the killings were in, in L.A. recently, yeah. but but I could imagine and and. Uh, the the despair is not helpful and we may feel bereft or we may feel sorrow or we may feel heartbroken but despair is not helpful because this despair feels like we can't do anything and that's not true and so that's a really important distinction to make to not let ourselves follow that thread of despair but really follow the thread of heartbreak and yeah. see how our heart gets broken open. And so mm -hmm. we can respond with our intelligence and our fierceness and our kindness and our care and our determination and our power like Dr. King did in whatever way we can, which in whatever small ways or big ways, because then, then we're, we not only save ourselves, we start to save everybody. You know, and yeah, and I also love the connection between uh, Dr. King and Thich Han, and you know, yeah, Bodhisattva yeah. is a good for the world, and yeah. we can all be little Bodhisattvas. <laughs> yeah. And I just also, yeah, Thich Nhat Hanh did luckily got to live to a much older age and and really he, blossom this build the beloved oh. community and and his his own continuation days. He died about almost a year ago. So I wanted mm -hmm. to kind of bring him in too. Thank you. Yeah, so. thank you. Thank you for bringing him in. Mm -hmm. Anybody else before we end?
uh, Virgil. No, it's not Virgil. <laughs> Hold on. I'm going to put you on speaker view. I wanted to thank you for reminding us of our own little callings and our uh -huh. own little ways that we can help ourselves Absolutely. and anyone else that we are in contact with and and meet wherever we are on the street or in the store or in the post office or at home yeah i mean and if you're someone who still goes to the post office you know god bless you right <laughs> there aren't so many people going there anymore but really, no, but it's true. It's it's little things are not just little things. They mean something and have an impact on the fabric of reality. And so they they go out in every direction. Yeah, we have two young adult grandchildren mm -hmm. who are having a really hard time trying to launch into the adult world. Mm -hmm. And I keep telling them little things, little things. Don't try to bite off a big chunk. Do little things. Yeah, that's harder when you're young. <laughs> it's helpful to be a little older and a little more mature. Oh, uh, Carter? Harding and Carter, you talking about? The Greenville, Mississippi. Yeah, Harding Carter. I'm not sure what you two are discussing. <laughs> Maybe you'll let me in on it or let all of us in. Virgil? I might add, um, yeah. as a child, we had a, a newspaper, a, a man ahead of the newspapers in the South. And he was the first man that came out against, or he came out for desegregating all schools in the South. And in, in Mississippi. And in this country. Yeah, mm -hmm. he, how you live in Mississippi. but. I was a young child, but I could sit on the steps or over living room hearing him talk. And he had a mission and he accomplished it. And just mm -hmm. seeing that accomplishment has really helped helped me to to um, get things done in my own life. But I that was a, a I'll never forget that evening to hear him talk about desegregating the, the schools in the South. Yeah, beautiful. And beautiful what you're saying, because we can we can take the inspiration from others and it helps us live our lives better every day. And really, really thank you for oh, thank that. You. Thank you for bringing him into the room with all of us, really, because I've, I've given talks about Dr. Martin Luther King before. And the last time, partly I talked about all these different inspirations of people who inspired him and people who've inspired me. And you could all think about people who've inspired you, like Virgil is saying, you know, that you've met or seen or heard that inspire us to live a better life, a more wholesome life, a more a skillful life and a more kind and loving life. So that's a good place for us to end today. Um, I'm not sure who's, wait, I'm going to see if I can find the calendar for next week for a second, just to see who's going to be here next week, because I'm pretty sure I'm not. I think it's, oh, yeah, it is Kitty Costello next week, and then Pam in a couple weeks. 
I won't see you for almost a month, something like that. I've got a lot happening, but I'll see you in a while. But uh, let's just sit. We'll do a little sharing of merit, uh, which is really appreciation, appreciating our good fortune that we've had the time and place and the causes and conditions that have allowed us to be here and to practice together and to study the Dharma together and to awaken together. And may our good fortune go out in every direction, touching beings in every realm, in every world. May all beings be happy and peaceful. May all beings be uh, safe. May all beings be healthy. May all beings be free. May all beings discover the freedom that Dr. Martin Luther King pointed to and lived for, for his whole life. And for the gifts, may the gifts that he gave all of us go out in every direction and touch beings in every realm. May all beings be free. to be with you all. Please take good care, stay healthy, keep practicing, be real. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.